Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Bring Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your hosts, Zay, Young Vander, and Bro Joe. Welcome back to the show, Fantasy Football Fiend family. It's your main man, the Fantasy Football Fiend himself, Zay. I got my man on with me, Young Vander. Holla at the people, Young Vander. Fantasy Fiends, what's going on out there? I got my main man, Bro Joe, on the line. What's going on? What's going on? I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. We literally have people listening, downloads from around the world. To my people out in the UK, bonjour. To my people out in Japan, konnichiwa. My Mexico people, hola, como esta? My Canadian people, good day, eh? Germany, guten tag. And my people in the US, what's poppin'? We got so much in store for you today. We got your news. We got your rapid fire 10. We're going to go through all the matchups, the people that you to have confidence in starting the people that you might want to take a second look at and the people that may even be on your waiver wires right now as one of those uh hail marys if need be but we're going to get you through all of that and make sure that you come out of this weekend on top first your news And now your fantasy news. A lot going on in the way of fantasy news right now. Um, Several injuries are popping up. We have Mr. Hollywood Brown that I uh, didn't practice again. He was on the injury report last week. I'm hoping that it's just going to be a uh, kind of a maintenance day, if you will, for him. Ferkser from Tennessee, the tight end, he's limited with the knee. Josh Reynolds, same team. He's now back in practice. One of the the biggest, uh, I guess, hits, if you will, right now for fantasy owners, uh, we found out that Josh Jacobs is going to be out this week. We found out a little later on in the week last week that he had a toe injury that was going on. We saw that they were kind of making some moves that signified that they weren't exactly sure about their running back depth. Do you guys think this is going to be a one week to get it right, or is it going to be lingering? Those toes are nothing to play with. Me personally, I think it's something that may linger. I watched the game, and this guy, I know he changed shoes about three times, and we all know how turf toes are. So this thing, I think this is something that's going to maybe linger on through the, throughout this season. So it's either something he's going to either play through the season with, or they probably shut him down for a couple of weeks and see if they can get it healed as possible. He's going to be almost like Marshawn Lynch. A lot of people didn't know that about Marshawn Lynch, but he never practiced for us at Seattle later parts of his career. He practiced Friday and then he started during the game. I think similar will be done with Jacobs. They're going to limit him as much as possible. He'll be definitely week to week. We have Zach Ertz back in practice. His injury, uh, which was a hamstring injury, if I recall correctly, looks like that's healing according to plan. Brandon Ayuk, he's back in practice. And according to Shanahan, 
if he practices and he shows what it takes to be a starter in practice, he'll be a starter on Sunday. Uh, the latest scuttlebutt is indicating that he will be a starter on Sunday. Seems like last week was a little bit of punishment. Kind of reading the tea leaves on that. I think what ended up happening is he missed several practices due to that uh, hamstring injury that he was kind of going through. And if you know anything about Shanahan, he's a firm believer. If you don't practice, you don't play. And whoever shows up in practice is the one that he's most likely going to give the uh, ball to. So same team, Mr. Sermon, that seems like he's back in the fold. Do you guys think that Mitchell, Elijah Mitchell, uh, who's also a rookie six-round draft pick, um, do we think he's going to continue to get the same run and the same shine that fantasy owners that ran to the waivers was hoping for? Or do we think that Sermon was just in the doghouse the same as Ayuk and no different than is it Sheffield? Sheffield, yeah. No different than Sheffield is not a the starter in comparison to Ayuk. He was just in the doghouse. Are we looking at that situ- that running back situation the same way? How, how's that going to work out? Well, I mean, the difference is Shanahan came out and said Ayuk will be the starter if he's this available. True. Did not say the same thing about Sermon. Mm. Um, one was a healthy scratch. One actually dressed. So that's true. That <laughs> um, true. I think Mitchell will get the start. I think Sermon would be sprinkled in there here and there. You know, maybe uh, take some carries away. But I, I, I kind of like what Shanahan did. Kind of shows he got control of the team. And if you a bench Ayuk, I think he's just showing everybody like, hey, this guy in any of you. So anybody can get it, <laughs> right? So I, I like him doing that. But I definitely like Mitchell more than I like Sermon going into this week. Okay, but I think you should fire Ayuk up. What about the oh, rest yeah. of the season as far as the, the running backs are concerned? Is this just a this week thing? I mean, if Mitchell's going in there, he's knocking it out. He, I mean, the hot man gonna get the ball. Gotcha. But if he goes in there, he struggles, maybe on things like pass protection or, or not, you know, running the ball well, then then you may see a little more sermon and maybe even some hasty. You know what I mean? So I just think uh, I forgot about got hasty. The, right. Whoever got the hot hand would, would be the guy. Mitchell was a preseason kind of guy who missed a little bit of time, but everything else that I was reading about him and, and watching about him. This guy was killing it with them. So it was no surprise to the organization. A good comparison, just to be relatively quick, is Jamal Williams went before Aaron Jones, but Aaron Jones still supplanted him as the top back. It's not to say either of those are comparable to this situation, like the as far as the, the type of player, but it's it's common that, you know, even though Sermon went before him, Mitchell might just be the better back. I like his skill set. It's very similar to Mostar. He's super fast. He can catch, but I think Hasty will definitely be the blocking back out of those, you know, the pass blocker. Sermon's going to definitely have his role, but Mitchell's going to get a bulk of those carries, definitely. Fitzpatrick of the Washington football team has decided to forego surgery and to attempt to rehab so he can attempt to come back this football season. And in all honesty, I think he saw that game um last night he was <laughs> like i can't give this guy the ball too many more times before I, I won't have a job to come back to and the likelihood of him going to yet another team one year closer to 40 with an existing hip injury is going to be slim so he's trying to get back at some point in time this season do we think it's already too late and that it's Heineke's job to lose at this point man i just think it's time for Fitzpatrick to he, he got like eight kids I have no clue. <laughs> just just go be a father, man. I mean, you're in like year like 17, 
and you already now you get your hip bust up man just let it go man just to play devil's advocate if he does have eight kids like you just said right maybe that's the reason why he still want to go on the road right he don't want to be at home right I, I, I mean i don't know i'm just saying like that may actually be the reason he don't yeah, want to play football it, it, i think the defense is is good enough also to keep these guys in games so i don't think uh heineken have to do a whole lot just don't lose the game you know he's gonna be a game manager of course they're probably going to try to get the run game going a little bit more. I think it's Heineke for the rest of the year, honestly. I mean, okay. Yeah, Heineke played so well in the playoff game. And even the other game before the playoff game, he played remarkably well. He has great rapport with Terry. And Terry has, like said, the most outstanding things about him and his potential. He has a great rapport with Artie Diami. And him and Logan Thomas looked pretty well, though I felt like he could have gave more opportunities to Logan Thomas. But... I just like how he moves and like how he uh, commands the field. To me, I think it's, it's his team. But Rivera showed even last year going into offseason, though they didn't draft another quarterback to compete with Heineke, they definitely felt comfortable going out and get Fitzpatrick. So I think it's his team. Hopefully he can carry them to some wins and have like a Kirk Cousins kind of story. I can definitely see that. And we'll hop into that game in just a second here. A couple of more bits of news to cover. A mass unit going on in Indianapolis right now. Pittman and Campbell that are both questionable. They may very well still play, but you already have T.Y. Hilton out. Um, and now you have the number one and number two receivers for all intents and purposes currently questionable. And we're, and we're going into week two. So that does not bode well for the Carson Wentz project. But what do you guys have for the people as far as the injuries are concerned? And then what you can do if you need to end up pivoting because they do end up being out. Fire up Naheem Hines. The same way I viewed uh, Alvin Kamara. With all these receivers up, him catching more balls at the backfield, I think it should be the same way you review Naheem Hines. As far as of any indie receivers, I wouldn't want to start any, being that the matchup that they have. So if you need an actual receiver itself, I probably would look on the waiver and see if I can find someone else because I don't want to run a receiver out against the Rams defense, me personally. But if you have Naheem Hines possibly in your flex and things like that, I think you should definitely fire him up. He should have a good game. Yeah, I think out of the two, it might be likely that Michael Pittman will come back. Like Van said, I'm I'm trying to avoid those receivers right this week. Um, Hines would be great. Yeah, but that's really it. I was going to say Wilkins, but nah, Hines got that in the bag already. And speaking of wide receivers that'll be out, Wolf Fuller will be out this week yet again. Week one was due to suspension. This week it's due to personal reasons that have not been disclosed. So if you have Waddle, if you have Parker, I go ahead and fire those guys up. We'll get it deeper into that in the matchup part of the show. Gentlemen, another Thursday night, another night I'm not disappointed in what I was able to see. Both quarterbacks played phenomenally. Both quarterbacks are ones that have been slept on um, and may be available on your waiver wires right now in your single quarterback leagues. I mean, Heineke uh, may even be available in two quarterback leagues. Joe, what do you got for us on the running back um, from last evening on both sides of the ball? I was disappointed that they underutilized Antonio Gibson. He did great running the ball. When he got to the red zone, I was shocked McKissick went ahead and got that touchdown. We all know when we see McKissick on the field what time it is. Antonio Gibson played receiver in college. Why isn't he getting reps out of the backfield as a running back? But I digress. Booker was phenomenal for the Giants, and I think he really – is going to be an eight-touch guy. He's going to definitely be more of a pass-catching, well, a pass-blocking back for a few more games. From Barkley, we're going to talk about that 
off the, the air. <laughs> I like I like I like his improvement. I like that he got more of a snap count. I think he was like 20% the first week. And we're seeing that they're gradually ramping him up. They finally got some lanes open. Remember that big play? He had a few big plays and I think he had like a 40 yard run. Yeah, and then he had another one. He took it for nine yards, and, and it's crazy. We we look in so small of a sample size, but I like that they kind of give him some type of running lanes that we didn't see in the past. I think he's a few more games away from having the productivity that we would think he would have, and I think it's a good to because I don't feel like he's going to next – he has 10 days off. That's going to be vindicative of what type of back we'll have by then because 10 days is plenty of time to kind of have – you know, fit into this uh, Garrett scheme. Very impressed with Daniel Jones' performance. Could have been a way bigger fantasy performance if uh, Slayton catches that touchdown. And B, they didn't get the holding call on like a 40, 50 yard uh, run for him. So he could have had like over, man, he could have been pushing 40 last night. I was impressed with his play. I know Heineke numbers look good, but I don't like the way this dude throw the ball. It's just, even the catches that Terry McLaurin made, he had to do some adjusting. Um, there wasn't great balls. I mean, it just, it's just something about his throwing motion, man. The ball, I just, I don't like it. You know, I, I see the numbers over there. That's cool. But I think moving forward, man, this guy going to be, I think he's going to have a lot of turnovers. It's just something about his mechanics I don't like. But I definitely was impressed with Daniel Jones. Let me ask you guys this. Do you realize that Daniel Jones has probably gone against the two toughest defenses he's going to face this year? In both games, he was able to put up north of 30 points. You know what's so crazy? The dude is sneaky quick. Like, he looked like Eli Manning. But when he runs, it's like it's not like Russell taking off. It's not like Kyler Murray taking off. It's like he's running, but he doesn't look fast, but he's like – moving like <laughs> he got them long strides it's like before know. you know it he even got 10 yards it's like yeah it's crazy like he, it's like he's moving but he's not moving fast but he's he's getting out of there he's a sneaky sneaky quick guy man he will and he will take off and he don't mind like putting his nose down he actually reminds me of uh ben roethlisberger and i think that's why they drafted him so early in the draft I think, you know, to remind ourselves, he's had three different offenses each year. He's and been a in the terrible line this year, too. Last year, Garrett simplified his offense and made it so one, two, three. That's it. Like his progressions were so limited. This is a little bit of Garrett's offense. We're not looking at the full picture. He hasn't even used uh, Tooney yet. And he really wasn't on the same page as Galladay. That's scary to his upside. I'm actually looking forward to trading for him in Dynasty, definitely. I was disappointed, honestly, in uh, Antonio Gibson. Everybody was saying, oh, they're going to use him like they use McCaffrey. If you just say this guy was a wide receiver in college at one point, and then to not be on the field during the two-minute drill and third downs, it's kind of disturbing. The volume is not there. A lot of fantasy owners thought and hope. So that's that was kind of a damper for me. That's one of those things that it, it kind of perplexes me at the moment because week one, McKissick barely got any shine at all. Now here comes week two, and it's like they're splitting the work. Um, not the the rushing attempts, but for you, like you said, to have a, a wide receiver that's playing running back and for that guy to get hardly any targets. I don't know what, what it is that they see or if they're just trying to spare him the workload or what, but the two weeks aren't indicative 
of the same goal, if that makes sense. So I'm not sure if they're if they change their philosophy going from week one to week two, or if this is just something that they're going to possibly switch up week to week, which scares me if I have Gibson as my number one running back, but it makes McKissick a huge value. Um, he's still on some waivers right now, even in deeper leagues. I'm um, in a couple of 12 team leagues where McKissick is on the waiver as we speak. So maybe that's a guy that you want to go try to pick up for free, especially if you're in a PPR league. Um, I'm going to tell you who he reminds me of James White 2.0. Oh, yeah. Last year he had over 100 targets and he caught 80 of them. That wow. is crazy. Like that, He had the number one hard. most targets in the uh, NFL for uh, running back. And he had the second most uh, completions mm. for NFL running back in the entire league. And he's been on several teams. They Washington kind of found themselves a, a gem with this guy. But it's going to be a situation to monitor based on what all the things that were said in the offseason. I really thought that Gibson was going to be a workhorse. The running back situation going on in Philadelphia, I had not a clue that Boston Scott wasn't going to be a part of anything. I mean, he got zero touches last week. Um, so the reason that I was so down on Sanders was because I thought this was going to be a full committee now. And he and Gainwell were the only two running backs to touch the ball at all. And as Vander says more often than not, a two-headed monster is fine. What you want to stay away from is a committee. Now, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of changing my tune as far as uh, Sanders is concerned. Well, maybe we'll see uh... – <laughs> The same thing the Redskins did this week when you didn't see McKissick last week. Maybe <laughs> this, <laughs> this is maybe, true. Maybe it's kind of pop up on your radar and then throw you off again. So, and, and if that does happen, I think he would. He, it, it, it's now between Scott and Gainwell. Sanders had like sixty six percent of the uh, carries. So, if there is going to be any type of significant change, I don't think it would go from two headed monster to committee. It would go from two headed monster involving Sanders and gain well to two-headed mm-hmm. monster involving Sanders and Boston Scott. But um, that kind of surprised me. I, th- that team in general uh, surprised me quite a bit from this past week. We'll see how con- things kind of go uh, going forward with them. Any other surprises from this past week that you were just like, whoa, I didn't see this team doing that or I didn't see this particular player doing that? I would say the Green Bay Packers. This is true. That was a big surprise <laughs> coming out pretty yeah. flat. You got the the reigning MVP of the league. You know, he came out and, you know, he went 15 for 28, 133 yards. Aaron Rodgers, 133 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. And then you got, you know, Adams on the other end. You know, of course, he can't get off as his quarterback not getting off. So I was a little bit more surprised with that. And also, um, A.J. Dillon outplayed Aaron Jones, even though they both didn't do anything. Right. <laughs> Look at the numbers. I mean. He kind of outplayed him a little bit. I mean, so I would say the Packers in, in general, you know, that was the big surprise for me, the way they came out. I love the way Swift looked this past week. For him to be coming off of an injury and for him to be going against the 49ers, he and Williams both put on a running clinic. Um, this was before we got to garbage time or what would be thought as garbage time. Um, so th- there were some plays in there where I'm just like, okay, the 49ers are so far ahead that they just kind of quit playing. But prior to that, the running game was already showing up. So um, I like Swift's prognosis based on the fact that he's a pass catcher and he's a runner. I mean, if you're able to do that against San Fran, uh, some of these uh, teams with uh, defenses that aren't quite up to par, I can only imagine that um, – 
you're going to actually be able to uh, get off a few more fantasy points than what people were given credit for with that guy. Swift to me is a dynamic back and he really is Kamara. Like and people didn't see it till the second half of the season last year, but now where it's these conversations of Williams getting touches this is the best time to capitalize on that opportunity to go out and get this guy and use that leverage because I only see him getting more and more opportunities. I like Jamal, but he's in another situation, just like what I said earlier with Aaron Jones. Well, you got somebody in a similar stature that wasn't drafted the same time as you. Well, you know, I want to apologize to one of our listeners, but not really. I had a guy ask me, you know, should he start? Tyson Williams or DeAndre Swift. And I told him to say Swift. So then like 15 minutes before kickoff, NFL never reported Swift was not will not play today. So I'm like, okay. So I hit the guy real quick, like, yo, get Williams in the game. Swift is out. You know, thought I was being the good guy. <laughs> then I turned the game on and Swift is in the game. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Like, come on, man. You know what I mean? So I gave him the right advice. But the NFL Network came on about 15 minutes before kickoff and said he was out. And I'm like, okay. They said he was out? They say he was out. They didn't say he's questionable to play today. They say he was out. It popped up. I was like, oh, man, he's out. So I said, yo, let me go ahead and, you know, let this guy know, thinking I'm being the good Samaritan. You know what I'm saying? And, <laughs> right. and then I look at my thing and I'm like, is that Swift getting out? I'm like, oh, this is crazy. So, well, for him to go from questionable or out even to doing what he did, can, can you imagine what he's going to be once he gets a couple of weeks in and he's he's up to his full potential? I mean, this guy may right. be one of those people that we really wish we had touted a little bit more in draft season, but we're only one week in. And just like Joe was saying, this is a guy that you could probably go out and get right now and get him at a serious discount in comparison to what you're going to have to pay for him once he gets a couple games in like what he got against San Fran and again San Fran is a premier defense there is there is no defense in his division he, he has to go against those guys a total of eight times there's no defense in his division that's anywhere close to San Fran Chicago used to be, but I mean, they're, they're not that anymore. I really think that this guy may be someone that you can pick up, um, that he can get some serious run, and, and he may actually win you a few games by his lonesome based on the, the capital that you had to use to get him. Right, so if that's true, Joe, he got Swift in our league, so you're going to trade me Swift for a discount? Is that what we're saying right now on, on air? <laughs> Right, right. Because you're giving these you're giving these great people this great advice, and I want to know if we and you and I can do a deal for Swift at a discounted price. I'm so glad that you asked that question. <laughs> and the reason that I'm glad that you asked that question is this. Yeah. The reason why our listeners will be able to get Swift at a discount is because there's going to be several dumbasses that don't have access to the information that our listeners do and oh, don't man. have access to the information that I do. So I'm in no way, shape, form, or fashion indicating that I would sell Swift at a discount. What I'm indicating is that people that don't know any better might go about doing something that's oh, man. So you got to try people and you never know. I mean, you, you may end up finding somebody that's willing to give you Swift for a uh, RB3 and a wide receiver too, not realizing that he's an RB1. So that's the type of trade that I'm talking about. I'm not um, sure if I'm ready to jump out the window and say RB1 yet, but I, I, I hear you. He's a workhorse, man. Like, like, did you see some of the passes that he caught? Th that's what did it for me. He looked if good. You, if you're already the first and second down back and you can catch better than the third down back and they got you in on the two-minute drill, 
Israel? That tells me everything I need to know. He caught the ball well, but he didn't run the ball very well. You know what and I mean? He didn't run it poorly either. I mean, he only had 39 yards it's rushing. 49ers, how, what are he supposed to do? I mean, he only, but I'm saying he only had 39 yards rushing. I mean, it's not like he ran the ball extremely well, but he did catch the ball very well. And, and it wasn't like they, they ran him into the ground either as far as um, – I mean, 11 as carries. far as attempts, I mean, so, yeah. uh, 11 carries, they're working them in, you know, they're trying to work them in kind of easy. Now, you you double that, which is where most number one running backs are as far as carries are concerned. And again, we're talking about going against the 49ers. So right. if you're talking about getting somewhere between 16 to, let's say, 16 to 18 carries and going against defenses that aren't as good as the 49ers, you go ahead and extrapolate those numbers and you tell me. To be continued. Just saying. <laughs> that is your recap and your news. We're going to go ahead and get into a little Rapid Fire 10. And now, Rapid Fire 10. 10 quick questions, 10 quick answers. All right, let's get right into it. Who do I start out of these two guys? Elijah Mitchell or Trey Sermon? Elijah. I'm going to go with Trey, just because I think Trey is going to end up being the goal line guy. I think carries are going to be pretty pretty equal. We got Brandon Ayuk or Jamar Chase? Jamar Chase. Yep, I'm going with Chase. We got Robert Woods versus Corey Davis. I like Woods this week. In a vacuum, I like Davis on any given week. But going against New England, Bill Belichick is notorious for making life hell for rookie quarterbacks. So I got to go with the guy um, that's going a little bit easier defensive path this week. Yeah, give me Robert Woods easy. Okay, I like this one right here. We got Mike Williams versus Damian Harris. Williams Mike versus Williams. Harris. Ugh. Mike Williams, let's go. I, I think I'm going to go Harris. The Jets' defense didn't really show a whole lot last week, and I fully expect for New England to be up in the fourth, which means that most of the fourth is going to be garbage time, and they're going to be pretty much running the ball the entire fourth if things go according to plan. So I got to go with the guy that's more of a guarantee. If I'm projected to lose and I, and I need a, a shoot-for-the-moon guy that could also never get off the ground, then I'm going to go with Williams. I, like I Mike mean, Williams. he's going against the Cowboys. I mean, right. ain't that a shootout within itself? How are they going to keep up? I get it. That's but I'm, if I'm looking at who's more than likely going to get the touchdown, possibly multiple touchdowns, I'm always going to favor the running back, especially if it's a good matchup. I like Mike Williams with DFS, guys. All right, we got Melvin Gordon versus Chase Edmonds. Give me Gordon until he can't go no more. Give me Chase, man. I, I had to make sure I was hearing that twice. Okay. <laughs> we got the guy, the, the boy from Sumter, South Carolina, Tyson Williams versus James Robinson. Mm, I don't like what the coach had to say as far as he's planning on playing four different running backs. From what they're saying, they plan on going full committee in Baltimore. I, I, I'm kind of letting go of any running back in Baltimore not named Lamar Jackson at this point. What you got, Joe? Yeah, I'm going to have to try to roll with Robinson. I know it's against Denver, and Denver uh, was pretty stout. And obviously, Hyde has been taking up so much of the backfield. But I, I just can't count him out. I think he has great receiving upside. If the game gets out of hand, I, I just I just, I hope. I hope Myers just get it right and stop thinking about his guys, you know, his Ohio State guys, and give Robinson the ball, man. We got Chase Claypool or T. Higgins. I'm going to go with Claypool. Claypool has the touchdown upside. I believe that he's the, the, the better option in the Falcon. Yeah, give me Claypool, too. Okay, we got Tim Patrick versus Brian Edwards. I like this one. I like that one, too. Um, 
I, I mean, Edwards really showed me something this past week. He's in a de facto rookie season. He didn't play. I don't think he played at all last year. I think he might have got hurt in the preseason or, or I mean, not in, in the offseason or something or, or very early um, in the season. But he didn't get very much work at all last year due to injury. And what we're seeing from him is kind of showing me that it's a possibility that just maybe Waller doesn't have to be the only damn target that Carr throws the ball to at this point in the mm-hmm. game. And he may have to throw a little bit more based on what's going on with that backfield. So that's going to be kind of interesting. Yeah, I'm, I love Brian Edwards. What got me with him and, and the reason why I'm starting to be more and more sold with him was Derek, Derek Carr went on to say that he reminds him a lot of Devontae Adams, and those two played together in Fresno State. And obviously, we're not saying that he's Devontae Adams today or even in the next few years because that man is, you know, out of worldly, one of the best receivers. But his pedigree, how he, you know, competes for the ball, he's a bigger wide receiver. Even that play that could have been a touchdown just goes to see, like, you know, he's very electric. And I think uh, definitely. His offense, they let Algular go for a reason, and he's playing an ex-receiver in a Gruden offense, which always says great things. This is a, a funny one here. Uh, we got Julio Jones versus Ezekiel Elliott. I'm going Man, Zeke all day. That one's easy for me. Um, again, if you have a comparable running back and wide receiver, I tend to go with the running back just because it's more likely that the running back gets a goal line carry, which is the easiest way to go about getting a touchdown. So give me Zeke over Julio all day, any day. I want to continue to believe in Zeke. So I'm going to go with Zeke, but I don't know. Pollard's starting to eat up too much into that uh, that backfield. And our last and final one, Brandon Cooks versus Tyler Lockett. Shit, that's a fucking good one. Goddamn, boy. That's a good one right there. I, I'm going Lockett. I got to go Lockett. I'm going to go Cooks. The reason I'm going Cooks is because it doesn't seem to matter the quarterback or the defense. He's going to hold it in the road. And if he mess around and get a touchdown, then he's going to do more than what you probably expected him to do. With Lockett having the game that he had last game, if Lockett holds true to fashion, that means it's probably going to be two or three games before he's startable again. So, I mean, that's just how, for whatever reason, that offense goes. Now, this could be uh, one of those years, and he could end up being the number one wide receiver if he continues to do what he did last week. But I just don't see it from him. I mean, every year that he and Wilson has been together, they have their blow-up weeks. And if it's not a blow-up week, it's a week that you wish you had to start at someone else. So Definitely. Just the matchup, damn, we're going against Tennessee, and I think this game going to get a little dirty, man. I, th- I don't think it's going to be more so Henry, but I think this is going to be the Julio uh, and A.J. Brown show. Getting Josh Reynolds back really bodes well for the offense because he's a great route runner within his own regard. He's definitely going to help counteract what our defense like to do. I think Henry's going to get held up, but it's going to get it's going to be going to get nasty in the air. So I like, you know, Lockett trying to keep it close. All right. So that concludes our Rapid Fire 10. Rapid Fire 10. Let's go ahead and hop right into it. First matchup on the docket. We have the Las Vegas Raiders versus the Pittsburgh Steelers with an over-under of 47 points for that game. Are you guys a full goal for all players on both teams? Are there is there anyone that you might want to stay away from other than Josh Jacobs, who's out, obviously? I like Najee Harris in this contest. Uh, the Raiders, I know it's only been a week, but they come in as the worst team against the running back position, against the rush. 
So uh, Najee really didn't get a chance to, I think, show what he's capable of last week playing against Buffalo. But I think this is going to be a lot easier matchup. Definitely like Najee Harris in this matchup, probably more than anyone. Oh, yeah. Fire up all the Steelers wide receivers. Like, God damn it. From top to bottom, Claypool, Deontay, and I don't like using Juju, but I think all of them are going to get heavily involved, and this is going to be an assault. Just for the same reasons Vando was alluding to, Najee is definitely going to be more of a threat this, this game than last. And I think the defense ain't going to fuck around. That defense is going to play outstanding. I think anytime you do that, with the Ravens, there was only the threat of Sammy and obviously Lamar. It wasn't, you know, fortunately, this wasn't the game for their tight end. But now you're going against three start and wide receivers. And Najee himself, that can catch out of the backfield. It's like pick your poison. You can't you can't play them the same as uh, most teams. So all their receivers is a go for me, especially Deontay. I think Deontay is going to get at least two touchdowns. On the other side of the football there, do we think this is going to be an Edwards game? The reason I say that is because Pittsburgh de- defense is able to key in on Waller, which leaves Edwards in, in Hunter Infro. So the two of them, I think, can have a pretty decent game, especially in PPR leagues, um, because I expect that the Raiders are going to be behind in this game. The next game up, we have New Orleans that's going to be going against Carolina. This game has one of the lower over-unders for the week at 44 and a half. I'm not a fan of any players in this game, not even the top-tier guys. Uh, you know, the New Orleans Saints usually play uh, McCaffrey play pretty well. You know, they're usually a pretty good team against the run. Uh, of course, you fire these guys up as usual. I think you should temper your expectations when it comes to Kamara and uh, – McCaffrey, the two two biggest guys. As far as the quarterback play, not a fan of Donald also. I like that New Orleans Saints defense. And I, I think this defense is kind of a measuring stick to kind of see where Jameis is. He threw five touchdowns last week, but not for a lot of yards, only 100 and some odd yards. This test will probably give us a little indication of what kind of Jameis Winston we're going to see this year. On the other hand, I think it's going to be a good play for a player like DJ Moore. I like the chemistry he's building with uh, Darner. You would have thought it would be Robbie Anderson to get it done, which he did on a nice touchdown. But I like what he did with productivity. I like what he's going to do. And with Lattimore being a question mark this week, um, obviously we got to wait to game time to kind of figure that out. I just like what they're going to have to do. Like you said, like their defense is pretty stout. They play pretty well, pretty uh, hard. But we know the game is going to go through McCaffrey, and then you have to look at the threat of Robbie Anderson and take it to the house or any given play, uh, which leaves a player who's more well-rounded and all-around, like a DJ Moore to eat because this guy is an understatement. He's almost like Brandon Cooks, which like – he doesn't get his just due. He just consistently puts up good numbers. But I think he can have a great game uh, just looking at the report that he has with Darnold. And the next game up, we have Tennessee versus Seattle. And this game ha- actually has one of the higher over-unders of the week at 54 points. So, again, we have Tennessee versus Seattle. You guys were alluding to this a little bit earlier in conversation. I think that this game has the potential to be a very high-scoring game, obviously. But I believe that it's going to be more of a running back game for Tennessee and more of a running back game as well for Seattle. 
think that they're going to try to impose their will and then Ooh. either decay or lock it. One of the two. I mean, this is kind of the way it normally works out. One of them might have a blow up game and the other one will have a not so good game. Um, as far as the Tennessee receivers are concerned, I kind of have a feeling that that'll end up being a about even on targets. Um, but Brown will probably end up being the red zone guy. For whatever reason, Julio's never been that guy. Yeah, I believe that Brown's going to end up with the more most points, um, but Julio have more yards. Man, start, 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 start. <laughs> Seattle offense. Uh, Russell Wilson, love. Tyler Lockett, love. DK Metcalf, love. This one of them games right here. I think Russ going to go out there and 300, easy, 300 yards for touchdowns. I think it's one of those type of games for him. I mean, we just seen Kyler Murray come on, torched him for 289, four touchdowns, even ran for one. Uh, you see Hopkins, he caught him two balls for touchdowns. Uh, Christian Kirk caught him two balls for touchdowns. And, and just look at it. Lockett and DK comparison to those guys. I mean, it's the same setup. Tennessee has a horrible secondary, so I'm firing up everybody on the offensive end of Seattle. As far as Tennessee, I guess I like Derrick Henry. Julio usually uh, get these guys an issue, too, so I would throw a dart on, on uh, Julio. I honestly, with Henry, I don't really like him in this matchup. Now, let's always leave the room for conversation that he's going to have his breakout 70-yard game, and he's going to find a way to take it there, you know, possibly. But it's a copycat league, and we saw how the Cardinals played uh, Tennessee, and Seattle runs a similar defense to them, but we're more equipped to do the same exact thing. So I definitely think we're going to neutralize Henry unless he has that 60-yard to the house that he kind of gets later on in games. But as far as the other matchup, like you said, Vander, uh, 425 yards to the Cardinals, uh, that bodes well for everybody in our wide receiver core. Even, you know, It only take Lockett three receptions to have three touchdowns. And uh, I think DK is definitely it's pick your poison. Everett's going to get heavily involved, so I like the matchups, definitely. San Fran going up against Philadelphia. This game has a 50-point over-under. This game I can see being one of those measuring sticks for both teams. We'll kind of see what Philly really has in them, whether or not week one was a fluke. San Fran, we'll see whether or not the first half is indicative of the team they are, or the second half of their game against Detroit last week is indicative of the team that they actually are. What you guys got on this one? I think you should fire up Brandon Ayuk. I think you should fire up Debo Samuels. I don't like the Philadelphia secondary. I know they played well against the um, Atlanta Falcons. I don't think the Atlanta Falcons just was I think it's just kind of this came out sleepy. He's week one. I like the 49ers uh, offense in a whole. I like uh, now the running backs. I would kind of tread lightly. You know, defense. Uh, Philly usually have a pretty good defensive front, so they're usually pretty good against the run. But as far as Philly goes, I'm honestly not a fan of anybody on this offense. I know Detroit Lions had a pretty good game on the ground. Well, not really running the ball, but receiving out the backfield. So I like the San Francisco 49ers defense as a start in this game, and I like the 49ers offensively in this game. With this matchup. I'm not a fan of either team. If Ayuk is playing, definitely I like Ayuk. The next game up is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Chicago Bears. This has a 45-point over-under, so it should be a lower-scoring game. kind of interested to see your opinion on this one, but I, I kind of have a feeling that Chicago isn't what they used to be as far as defense is concerned, and this could be the type of game that ushers in Mr. Justin Fields going forward. So I kind of got a feeling that this might might be one of those games where it gets it gets bad to the point that Justin takes over the third, fourth quarter and Andy Dalton never sees the light of day again. Well, you know, the Red Rocket, he's uh, going against his old team. So maybe he'll be a little bit motivated. He's going to try too hard. Though. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what I I mean, that's one of the reasons why. 
Yeah, for us to sit start, I, um, I, I like Allen Robinson in this game. Uh, he didn't play well last game, and that's probably because of the quarterback play. But he did have 11 targets, and Cincinnati is coming in with one of the, the lower tier of defensive back in this league. So I like Allen Robinson in this game as far as the guy that you should start. Definitely sit Andy Dalton. I'm not a big fan of Joe Mixon in this game also, going against this uh, Chicago defense. So. If I had a better option, I probably would take it. But if he's just stood, play him. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good game for the Bengals receivers. The performance I'm expecting from T. Higgins, that he's going to definitely uh, capitalize and get a touchdown. I don't think it's a running back game, but their receiver stands out to me. Bears... I got to go. I got to go with Mooney, too. Mooney might have the opportunity now with the game that even though it will be close, I think it's going to come down to a last minute drive. You got the Rams versus the Indianapolis Colts. This game is at a 48 point over under. I can see this being the game that Wentz doesn't make it through. <laughs> like they don't have anything that scares me if I'm the if I'm the Rams. They have a pretty decent run game. Sure. But I have the best defensive tackle in the NFL. They don't have a wide receiver one, but the guy that is playing the role of a wide receiver one is currently nicked up and at best case won't be 100% on Sunday. So good luck playing Pittman against Ramsey. So I, I just, I don't see where, unless it's the Rams, the one putting up all the points, I don't, I don't even see how this game is going to hit 48 points. But uh, what do you guys think about this matchup? Uh, the strong start, I would say definitely Matthew Stafford. Uh, he should have, oh, another, absolutely. should have another strong game against a Colts pass defense that, that struggled I guess a similar offense in the Seattle Seahawks. So I definitely like him. And with that, you know, you fire up Cup and you fire up Robert Woods. I don't, I'm not a big fan of Darrell Henderson in this game because I like the Colts uh, front front seven. As far as the second, as uh, far as the Indianapolis Colts, don't fire up nobody. <laughs> I say sit them all because I, I like this Ram defense, especially they coming in limping uh, with their, uh, their receiving core. So in the PPR, maybe you in fire up Hines because the they're going to yeah, be behind. Now, yeah, and I was about to say that in a PPR league, I definitely like Hines. I think he'll catch a lot more balls out of the backfield. And I think he should see the end zone at least once this game. So that's the only person I like on the on the Colts offensively. Yeah, definitely agree. Hines is definitely the only person I want from the Colts. With possibly um, Xavier Rhodes, I think, is already out. Darius Leonard is cutting it close. That's the main reason why I would probably lean to is Daryl Henderson being a solid play. And then as far as the receivers, I said, other than Xavier Rhodes, who do they have at corner? So give me a cup and give me Woods. We got Denver versus Jacksonville with a 45 and a half point over under. This one, I kind of see it as play everybody that you got as far as Denver is concerned, including their defense, and avoid playing anybody that you can on Jacksonville. I agree. <laughs> fire up Melvin Gordon and fire up Javante Williams. I definitely like the run game for the Denver Broncos. As far as the Jacksonville Jaguars, not a fan of James Robinson in this contest, and I'm not a fan of Trevor Lawrence in this contest at all. So, hey, fire up the def the, the Denver Broncos defense. How about that? Absolutely. I think, I think it's going to be a closer game than people think. Honestly, so I'm just going to go with Denver defense. I'm not a fan of any other players on others, any other side of the field. We got New England going up against the Jets at a 42-point over-under, and I believe that is the lowest un over-under of the week. 
And it goes back to what I was saying. Bill Belichick gives rookie quarterbacks fits, and they already don't really have a starting running back. They have a couple of guys that are trying to be the starting running back. I don't see the Jets putting up very many points at all in this game. I can see them getting out of there with like 10 points, 14 points, maybe. So with that being said, definitely fire up Harris. Harris is going to have a lot of run in this game. I can also see if you're in PPR, uh, Myers having a pretty solid game, which will be every week with Mac Jones being the quarterback because he's going to utilize that slot receiver. And you're probably going to have a floor of five receptions for 50 yards, giving you double digits every week and coming off your bench. Yeah, I definitely like Damian Harris in this matchup. Uh, but then again, I mean, Corey Davis, I mean, he gets a break with no Stephon Gilmore. And although this matchup isn't the best, I mean, he has some garbage time volume. That's possible. This is true. Hey, I, I mean, if you got Corey Davis as your third receiver or flex, I'm okay with that. I agree. Corey Davis, Myers, but I'm not a fan of either of the team's running backs. But I will probably throw a dart at Elijah Moore. I know Crowder is coming back, but I think that's a benefit to the team. And I think he's going to capitalize. Definitely playing from behind sometime in the third to fourth quarter. You got Cleveland coming off of a loss, Houston coming off of a win, 48-point over-under. I think Cleveland is going to take Houston to the woodshed, and this may be the start of the same thing that we saw with Jacksonville last year where they came out and won game one and had nothing to speak of for literally every other game going forward. I literally feel like that's what's about to happen to Houston. Cleveland is going to put up the vast majority of those 48 points. Their defense is going to come out hungry. Yeah, definitely fired one of my favorite players of this week, and that's uh, Nick Chubb. Absolutely. He should have a huge game. Hunt as well, but I, I definitely think Nick is going to get him at least two touchdowns this game. And, hey, a sneaky guy, man. Um, I know y'all guys probably been watching Sunday. This Anthony Schwartz kid. I know he's questionable right now with a knee. I like him. But he's been practicing limited. But this guy, man, he runs a 4-2-40. He's the replacement pretty much for Odell Beckham. And and then he got a good bit of targets. He got five targets, caught three of those balls for 69 yards. He looked really good. And, man, any guy around a 4-2, hey, you blink, he behind you. So I think maybe even DFS, you know, this is a, a, a sneaky start for some people. I love Jarvis. I can't even say I like. I love Jarvis in his matchup. I think he's going to perform really well. I think having Higgins and then uh, uh, Peoples as well as Schwartz, it's in a plethora of receivers, but we know who gets the dirty work done. There is a possibility for Houston. Obviously, with Brandon Cooks, there's always going to be a slight at the end of the tunnel. Facts. But I, I kind of – I somewhat like Tyrod. I thought Tyrod was going to crap out and he was going to do some turnovers, do some dumb shit. Um, I don't think that he's definitely my first choice at quarterback, but if I'm definitely going heavy at other positions, I can kind of base my budget around him a little bit more. Just give me a floor of probably 18 to 20 points. Buffalo versus Miami, a divisional game, a 48-point over-under there. I really like Buffalo to kind of get back to being Buffalo in this game. Any decent team coming off of a loss is a very dangerous team, so you can kind of see that pattern. But I really believe that Buffalo is going to end up kind of outlasting Miami, although they do have a pretty decent defense. The fact that Fuller isn't going to be there, I don't think that they're going to be able to hold pace um, with the points that Buffalo is going to be able to put up on them. I agree. Josh Allen came out a little flat week one, and I think he's going to get back to, you know, business as usual. I see him having a, a huge game this week, him and also Stephon Diggs. So I would like a big star for both of those guys. As far as Miami, not a believer in anything on the offense. So sit them all. 
actually, I actually like Miami. I, as far as Miami players, I think Devontae Parker can definitely have a good game. He does really well in his division, and I think he's going to definitely do well against Tredavious. Uh, Gaskin is another guy who I think he's going to have a more predominant role. Played solid already, but I think he's going to definitely get the catches out of the backfield and him to find the red zone as well. Yeah, Devontae, real quick, Devontae's cool, but I don't think Tua fits that for him. I think Fitzpatrick was the better fit for him. Definitely. I like. I love yeah. him and Fitz. We got Minnesota versus Arizona. Uh, this one has a high over-under of 50 and a half points. I can definitely see Minnesota playing the role of catch-up in this game ended up going over in the fourth i can see arizona being able to impose their will pretty much on the minnesota defense and if arizona's defense is actually what they showed to be last week i went ahead and picked them up in a couple of spots i don't normally have two defenses but i wanted to take a flyer on arizona's defense because if chandler jones and jj watt can kind of hold serve on that defensive line one of the two of them is going to get to the quarterback more often than not because you're going to have to double you can't put single coverage on both so one of them is going to be double covered each time which is going to lend itself to the other one kind of getting loose i think that's going to actually be one of the better games of the week um, as far as viewing is concerned. I Agreed. believe that um, as far as fantasy players are concerned, you can pretty much throw them all out there other than the Minnesota defense. I agree, man. The Vikings uh, offensive line pretty much letting them down in key moments against Cincinnati and now who come into town? Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt. They got that red hot pass rush. So I could see a lot of garbage yardage in this game. I do like, uh, I think Davin Cook can see the end zone. Most of the guys in this game, the Cooks, the Hopkins, you just thought them as usual. I don't think I will look for any blowout game from any of these people in this game, but you just fire them up as usual. I have Dalvin Cook in that Henry category where, like I said earlier, he's going to hopefully take one to the house, but him having a 20 uh, rush for a 61 right. against the Bengals, and now you're going against Arizona, not a big fan. I love Thielen in this matchup, and I also love Jefferson, and you can just fire up all uh, the Cardinals wide receivers. So what, do we see a Pat P. DeAndre matchup in this thing, you think? Oh, he got cooked last week, so, <laughs> so he, I don't, he, I don't he may be he may be motivating his old team. Yeah, he gonna be motivated, but he gonna get his ass whooped. Um, <laughs> he, he they better help. They better they better send somebody over the top. You you better have some help up there. Or it's not gonna be pretty. I, I just Hopkins is that dude. He's getting a little bit older, but he's uh, much more wiser. He's made much better corners look foolish. So I'm I'm not really I'm not really pressed about that one at all. Um, next matchup we got ATL versus Tampa Bay. Uh, with a 52-point over-under, which tells me Tampa is about to put up a whole bunch of points this week because ain't no way Atlanta is about to score on that defense at will. So that's going to be pretty interesting. Pitts had a, a okay first week, um, nothing to write home about. Davis is looking like he should remain a backup. Matt Ryan is looking like he needs to be replaced as soon as possible. I, I don't know. Atlanta, Atlanta's going to have a pretty high draft pick this year. Tampa Bay looked exactly like we thought they were going to look in week one. So what do you guys got going on in this game? Fire up Brady. Fire up AB. Fire up Chris Godwin. Just fire up the offense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I see a high-scoring game. I see Brady throwing four touchdowns easy in this game. Um, Which Tampa Bay running back do you start up? Or any? <sighs> 
I, I think they all are flex guys this week. So okay. nah, I don't think any of these guys should be your starting running back. If if you have these guys on your starting running back on your team, then man, you know what I mean. What what else do you have? But you better be stacked somewhere else. Right. Make a trade um, now. <laughs> so I know they say Rojo's gonna come out and be the starter, but I can very well see it the same carousel we've seen before. We did see a little bit of, you know, things in pits, but he's playing against two of the best linebackers in it we have in this league. You know, I, I don't see still a rookie. Right. Run game, don't see much come out of that. So I don't like anybody on the left. I do like uh, Calvin Ridley, though. Okay. He, he do give the Buccaneers some fits. So I do like Calvin Ridley in this game. But, oh, and the Buccaneers' number one cornerback is still out. <laughs> so that that could actually, yeah, you're right. I, I, I can see that being the, the one spot where they have an advantage. Right. The only, you know, only guy about Ridley is – if possible, uh, Russell Gage. I think that's a good player. They're going to be playing behind by so much. They Ryan's passing for 45 to 50 times this week. So I think Russell Gage might be a nice person if you're looking for a DFS. Every, like you said, everybody in the Bucks are going. The next two games have actually the highest over-unders of the week. That's Dallas versus the Los Angeles Chargers and Kansas City versus Baltimore. So starting out with mm-hmm. Dallas, obviously the, the, the names that we're familiar with are a go, uh, but a Cedric Wilson and maybe a person to look to are Dalton Schultz with Gallup being on the shelf. But as far as Dallas is concerned, obviously you're starting Dak. Obviously you're starting Lamb and Cooper. The two that I have the question about, how do you feel about Zeke this week? How do you feel about Dalton Schultz this week? And actually the three I have a question about. Zeke, Dalton Schultz, and Tony Pollard. Not a fan. Not a fan. Not a fan. All pass this week, huh, for you? Yeah, for me. Okay. I I haven't seen anything. I mean, he's losing touches to Pollard. I mean, he, I watched the game. I'm just, this is it. This is his last year as a Cowboy. The, the writing's on the wall. I mean, you he sure he's going to make it through the year? You think he made too much as far as trade or as far as injury? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pick one. <laughs> I think it's possible. I think it's possible. If we see if Pollard comes on a little stronger, then it's, it's maybe more possible. But they may hold him for the year. He may play the year out. I've seen this movie before. You know what I mean? And the ties is changing. I mean, this team, when he first came in the league, this team was built about, around the run. The True. offensive line was built around the run. But now in the last couple of years, they've been drafting all these wide receivers. You pay Amari uh, Cooper's $20 million a year. You draft a first-round pick in Lamb. You got Gallup. Like, they're passing the ball now. Like, the year that Zeke was drafted, the Cowboys were 29th in the league as far as pass was concerned. Mm-hmm. And the year after that, they were 30th in the league as far yeah. as passing is concerned. Listen Every this, year though. after those two years, basically the two years that they couldn't trust a, a later-round quarterback that they didn't really know about yet, every right. year after that they've moved further and further and further away from the run culminating in the last couple of years what you've seen which is a high volume pass team and that's the reason why i'm kind of fond of tony pollard his capital is that of a backup but because of the role that he plays and the style of offense that they have you can see him um you saw it in week one he's going to get several plays that are designed for him but then he's also he, he seems to have a little bit more burst right now especially catching the ball out of the backfield so and he's pretty much free. When the last time we seen Dak Prescott play football? Was that over a year? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then this guy have like a shoulder surgery or something like that? Yeah. Okay. He threw the ball 58 times. So, so I, I'm if just you trust if you trust <laughs> if you trust Dak straight up off of a year of not throwing the ball to throw it 60 times. Right. And you give Zeke bye bye no Zeke. run at all. Bye bye. You don't trust that guy. Right. Bye-bye. But, well, but, but you know what, though? You know what, right. though? I got to say, Tampa Bay's, mm-hmm. when, when you're looking at going against Tampa Bay's defense, 
and they legit are the number one against the run, I don't think you can hold it against an offensive coordinator that decides to go a different direction. I think with Zeke, just rounding it out, he went against not just the best run defense, but these guys were also the tops in sacks. You just lost your prize quarterback that could have been the MVP quarterback, broke all type of records. It was just the approach part of it. Pollard, of course, Pollard's going to look great when you don't have to block. They didn't ask him to block the entire game. And I saw I Zeke with some tremendous blocks. I mean, like, they, he was laying they, dudes out. Like, that was that was dude, legit his job. No, that's, that's his strength. Right. He's, he's really but, good at pass protection. But to to further my point, you can't get rid of Zeke. So let's, let's go to that part. He has three years that he is going to be the guy. But furthermore, you cannot go against the charge. Like, you couldn't go against the Buccaneers without a run game. We saw no matter how much you're going to shoot out, you can't out-shoot out Brady. You can't shoot out – get out-shoot – Herbert with Eckler and all his weapons without a definitive run game. They have to commit to getting him more involved because Herbert is not coming to play around. Vegas agrees with you because (laughs) Vegas agrees with you, Joe, because it's a 55 and a half point over under. So, yeah, it's going to be a shootout, which means that it's probably going to be Dak throwing the ball and he doesn't seem to throw the ball to Zeke very much anymore. This is going to be interesting. Yeah, man, it's a crazy game. You got Kansas City versus Baltimore. And look, it's going to be sad because most teams that start out 0-2 don't make the playoffs. And unfortunately for Baltimore, they're not about to beat Kansas City this week. And that's a 55 and a half point over under as well. So this is going to be a very interesting game in the sense of what does Baltimore do to attempt to slow down Kansas City? For all intents and purposes, when you have your full plethora of cornerbacks, you Mm -hmm. can attempt to match wits with their offense. But with you having your number one corner going, and then on top of that, you have your number one and number two running backs going. It's going to be interesting because normally you would say, well, run the rock and you can kind of keep the ball out of their hands. In this instance, running the ball isn't going to give you enough points to keep up. And if you attempt to do that, their defense is good enough to stop the caliber of running backs that you currently have. So I don't know what Baltimore can even attempt to do other than to try to get a really high draft pick next year. I don't see it. Nah, there's one thing they can do to win this game. What's that? Pray. Um, <laughs> nah, I, I don't see it's it's over. I mean, not only uh we talked about you know the secondary, the run game, but their team is just not designed to come from behind. It's not. So that's the Achilles heel against the Chiefs from with the Ravens. Like if they get down two scores, seventeen points, something like that, they're not just you know rocking back and just striking, you know, swinging it down. It's, it's, they're not designed. They're designed to run the ball. And you cannot run the ball and catch up. Pray. I think with Lamar and the Chiefs, I think it'll be a much closer game than people think. Um, as far as fantasy purposes, let me touch on that first. Sammy Watkins is all go. Uh, any format, this Thanks. dude is about to leave Earth against them. If I had to go with somebody second to him, I really think uh, Latavius Murray is going to seize even more of the backfield, and he's going to get at least a touchdown himself. Kansas City doesn't have a great defense. And for the Ravens, it's time of possession. You do not, you want to have the ball at least 35 to 40 minutes of that game and leave Mahomes off the field. And they, if they can do that, their defense doesn't have to pay outstanding because they can't even handle Waller, let alone Kelsey and Tyreek. 
Whew. I don't think I, I love Humphreys. I love Humphreys, but I don't think he's ready for Tyreek. I'm I'm sorry. I love him to death. But if they can keep the time of possession through running the ball, I do like that matchup in that sense. And that's why I would be I would favor um, Latavius Murray being down and behind because he out he out touched uh, Williams by at least three to four touches, and he was the one to go to back going into the fourth quarter. Lastly, Detroit going up against Green Bay with a 48 and a half point over under. This game is really going to be interesting. You have division rivals. You also have a team who overachieved going against a team who underachieved. Which team has the heart to pull out the win? I don't see either team being able to stop the other team. So I think this is a full go for all players in these games. And, and, and the other reason I say that, we didn't mention this in the news. Tyrell Williams, the uh, wide receiver for Detroit, he has some type of a head injury. So he's going to be out as of right now for this coming up Sunday. Now, TJ Hawkinson is going to be a stud in this game. Swift, I believe, is going to be a stud in this game. I, also, I think you can actually start both running backs for Detroit. Green Bay has not shown last week or last year for that matter the propensity to be able to stop the run on a regular base. So I do believe that um, the running backs are a go. Detroit, on the other hand, they can't stop a nosebleed either. So I think this is going to be a get-right game for Green Bay, but it's it's going to go down to the fourth, and it's going to be fireworks the entire time. There really isn't anyone that I would sit from any of these games. And that's just because, first of all, there, there aren't any Detroit wide receivers per se that are probably starting for anyone's teams anyway. With Detroit, you're looking at the running backs, the quarterback, the tight end. On the other side of the ball, you're looking at, you know, Rodgers. You're looking at Adams. You're looking at Jones, Robert Tunyon, for the most mm-hmm. part. I think you can start all of those guys. No, I agree. Um, I definitely start Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. They're they going to go nuclear this game. I think they're going to get back in that bag. As far as the Detroit side of the ball, I don't. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, but I don't know if it's going to be, you know, close as you think. I do like Hawkinson on that side of the ball. And Jamal Williams. Play Jamal Williams, man. This is a retaliation game, a revenge game. You know, those guys tend to play a lot more. Oh, I harder. forgot about the revenge aspect. Yeah, like, yeah he's going to be a more, team. A lot more effort for sure. So you definitely want to just start those offense, like you say, the offensive guys on both on both sides for sure. Don't sit both of these defenses. Absolutely. Swift is going to have a huge game. Huge. Other than that, like you said, it's Hawkinson. And then as far as the offense is going, give me, like you said, give me Aaron Rodgers. Give me Devontae. Give me Randall Cobb. I'll take Randall Cobb in in this sort of game. I don't think it's going to be close at all because it's Aaron Rodgers. And a pissed off Aaron Rodgers, I've seen him lose one week and then he goes out and throw five touchdowns. (laughs) And they're not taking the foot off the pedal. They just like the Buccaneers in that regard. They're going to kill you and then shoot you several more times. And then they're going to walk over the body. And I think that's what happened with the Lions. Because <laughs> they don't have Jeff Okuda. Jeff Okuda is gone. That's Their right. You're right. So, how are you going? What y'all going to do? And then Alexander going to cover who? And they got <laughs> Stokes. They got a plethora of DBs. It's Hawkinson, Swift, and it's, it's bye bye. Real quick, what if they do uh, Alexander on Hawkinson? <laughs> I mean, hey, we've we seen it. <laughs> Humphrey. Humphrey, they put Humphrey, even though Wally did this thing last week, they did put Swift going to catch 10 balls if they do that. I think, honestly, maybe so, but would that, what would it say for Hawkinson? I mean, the way that Green Bay plays defense, normally Zaire stays 
with one part of the field. If, if they move Hawkinson around, maybe they can free him up a little bit. But I, I just haven't seen them just put him on a, any given guy that wasn't like a number one receiver or whatever the case is. So that, that would be interesting for sure. Yeah. Be, I think be, what they're going to do. Yeah, size difference too, for sure. Yeah, I think what they're definitely going to do is they're going to probably put – they're going to probably play a lot of nickel. They're going to put a, they're gonna put him in passing situation with the corner and then put a safety on top of him. Or even play cover three and then just have a linebacker just, you know, nick him and follow him, you know, you know within the zone or something. It's easy to take, you know, Hawkinson out of the picture, but you almost want to bait them into throwing to him so that they get more sacks. Rashad Gary about to get a couple sacks this game, but I'm not starting their defense. And those are your matchups and your – start sits for the week a little bit of business to take care of real quick if you're looking for us on gmail that's fantasy football fiend at gmail.com on twitter you have at fantasy underscore fiend on ig you have fantasy football fiend and on facebook you have fantasy football fiend family facebook group vander give me your info right quick uh, man, you can find me at Young Vander. That's the word Young V A N D R on IG on Twitter. If you have any fantasy sit start questions, things of that nature, feel free to hit that fantasy fiend profile, and you can also hit my also on IG. And that about wraps it up for this week. So again, it's our job to give you advice. It's your job to take it. We out later. <laughs> <laughs>